name is Becky Gannon, and I'm mad about miniatures. This week, my guest is Bridget McCarthy, a highly respected and talented professional miniaturist whose work has graced just about every miniature magazine cover. We talk about her work, how she got started, her time at Disney, and her advice for beginning miniaturists. Let's go meet Bridget. Hi, Bridget. I'm so glad you could join me today. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Well, I love your Instagram account and all your miniatures, and I've got lots of questions for you. No problem. I'm ready. So tell us how you got into miniatures. I've been making and creating and collecting miniatures since I was a little kid, as far as I can remember, really. And then I went to a miniature show, and I was about maybe 15 or 16. And that really, really made my interest grow because I didn't know that there were so many artisans and these intricate, delicate pieces that were an art form. They weren't just for kids anymore. So at that age, I started getting more into it, maybe 19, 20 And then I said, hey, I got to try making these little miniatures and selling them at shows. So I've been doing that since I was about 20 years old. That's amazing. So one thing that really strikes me is so many of the people I interview have dollhouses or love miniatures as children. And then around 13, 14, 15, you know, they sell their dollhouse or stop playing with it. But you actually became, you doubled down at 15 once you saw a miniature show. Yeah, totally. I kind of was embarrassed about it, though. I think at that age, you don't want your young friends to know that you still like dollhouses. You kind of want to look like the cool, tough teenager. But I did it secretly in my room. I was remodeling a dollhouse. And I remember I had guests over one time and I was trying to make sure they didn't come into the room. But they did. They came in and they looked and they said, oh, my gosh, there's a dollhouse all over the bedroom. And I was so embarrassed. Oh, but, you know, at 15, pretty much everything embarrasses you. That's true. The fact that you have parents, the fact that you exist. I mean, you know what? You're right. I didn't think about that. But I can see that. That's interesting. So your secret vice as a teenager was dollhouses. You must have been a dream to raise. Yeah. Well, my mom, she kind of got annoyed with me because she said, this is an expensive hobby. Here's 20 bucks. And I thought, uh, this 20 bucks is not going to go very far at a dollhouse store. No, it's not. And is that when you started making things? Yeah, I started making and I figured if I really want something, I'm going to have to make it if I want it because I couldn't afford a $50 miniature or something like that. Right, right. So what would, do you remember anything that was particularly successful that you made or that was particularly unsuccessful that you made when you were a teenager? Well, I I thought that I was pretty good at painting um, surfaces like marble and stone, and I was pretty good at making little pets, but I wasn't as good as I am today. But it was something I liked doing, and I kept practicing, and I still, I tried a little bit of everything, remodeling, woodwork, gluing. It took time to learn the right process and glues and materials, but you get there eventually. It takes years. Well, you know, it's interesting that you did so many different things, even back then, because that's one of the things that have really struck me about your miniatures. So often when you see people that do a lot of food and clay really well, food in particular, and pets in particular, the little pets, Mm -hmm. often they just do pets or just do food. 
Yeah. But you you are a renaissance woman when it comes to the miniatures. You do the pets, the food, you know, little scenes, little cabinets. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the dolls. A lot. I like doing Halloween dolls, scary dolls, witches and stuff. I saw that. And I mean, everything. Yeah, I would say I like wallpapering, building structures. I can do some electrical. Mm-hmm. Have you ventured into the wonderful world of 3D printing? I actually got my boyfriend to help with that because I don't know the computer program or the machine, but he was kind of excited to help out. He 3D prints accessories for me, anything I could use for little kitchen items or food items, anything in general that you could use as an accessory. Are those how you made those fantastic tiki cups and coconut cups and everything that's been all over your Instagram? Yeah, there's some that I buy online. And then there's some that if you find a design online, you can just print it and then change it up and paint it, add your little resin drink and stuff like that. And it's nice to just have a variety of little cups because I used to sculpt them and it just took a long time. So the 3D printer helps so that I could save some time. Right. No, that I can see that. Have you printed furniture or you pretty much keep it to accessories? I don't think I've printed furniture. It just depends on what the furniture is made out of. If it's a wooden chair, I would probably want to use real wood. But the resin, you could get away with more modern furniture. You could uh, do clear, uh, anything opaque, you could paint it a solid color. And I have a note here that you especially like paper clay. Yeah, I learned it how to use it when I took a class from I took a couple classes from Rick Pierce and he basically showed us how to build a structure and then add the paper clay so that it looks like a castle or a rock wall or something cool like that and how to texture it and paint it wow what a what a treat to take something from him directly yeah I really enjoyed his classes for sure he has the hobbit house and there was a tree and a lot of Hogwarts stuff castles I think on his website, you could see all of the work and it's really fun. Yes, I've seen the Hobbit house in person. That's what it is. And that was my um, husband's favorite because he loves Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's nice enough to come with me to the miniature museums. Oh, I see that you worked at Disney. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I started with them. I was carving pumpkins and decorating Easter eggs at their Big Thunder Ranch location in the park. And then I had um, moved on to the the gallery. So I did some uh, acrylic paintings and art pieces for the gallery there. And then a few for D23. That's their convention. And it was a fun time. It was about six years ago. I always put a focus and priority on my own business first and my own designs. But yeah, it was fun to do that. Their company is always changing up. So, you know, there's always possibilities in the future. But my main focus is just my own designs and moving my own brand forward. How did you discover you could pumpkin carve? I kind of had some experience uh, sculpting, but what happened was I just was offered the job and I thought, of course I could do this. And I hadn't really done it before, but I thought, I'm sure I can do it. And I made a couple test pumpkins and sent the photos in and they hired me. I love that. I'm I'm always like that too. Sure, I could do that. (laughs) That's awesome. And you could do it. That's amazing. That's so fun. And what kind of fine art do they want? Is it like Disney characters? Is it just whatever you want to do? I mean, how does that work? 
at the Disney Gallery, they had they have a couple of galleries. The Wonderground one is a little more stylized, and the one in the theme park has more classic characters, classic look to the way the art is made. So I was I was more of a classic person, and they would let us know what kind of attraction anniversaries were coming up or film anniversaries, and then we could choose one of those and paint at our own pace and uh, just submit some ideas for that year and then just get to work on them. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, did you get to go around Disney and get pretty familiar with it? I liked to go to the parks in general just for inspiration. I, I enjoyed it. So that, that made me inspired and it helped having a background in some animation art classes I took that was like a character design and background layout. And I took those classes for a very long time because I was just, I was always torn between doing something business related or just being an artist. So I kind of studied both, but never could decide. And then at home, I'd go home at night and do miniatures. And I thought I'm just so addicted to these miniatures. It's hard to focus on anything else. Wow. Is this in college you're talking about courses? Yeah, when I was younger in college. And so were you an art major? Or are you saying you kind of kept going between art and business and animation? Yeah, I flipped back and forth. And it was just really hard because I had a passion for miniature work, model making miniature work, but I was trying to do something in the art world and also something in the business world. And I just I, I was always torn between all all of those things. And, and I guess it all helped in the end uh, to make me who I am today. Well, you really need all those things probably to succeed in any one of those. In miniatures, you need an art background. You certainly need a business background to have your own business. Yeah, yeah. But you went into your own business pretty much straight out of college, right? You were really young. Yeah, I started right away with my internet business and then traveling to conventions. And I just couldn't miss any convention. When I was invited to be a dealer at any convention around the country, it was really exciting. And I just felt like I really had to do it. Now, you've been on the cover of quite a few miniature magazines. Yeah, I'd say just about everyone that you could find. I've been on the cover or had an article written about me. That's amazing. I mean, that's really impressive. And um, it started pretty early on, right? Yeah, I think the first time I was on a cover of a magazine, I had just a tiny little square on the side of it. It wasn't even the full page. And I was so excited I couldn't get over it. Oh, I mean, the first time is it doesn't yeah. matter how big it is. You know, <laughs> if your little name yeah. and your picture are there, that's all it made. Did you buy like a couple copies and send them to your mom or something? Definitely, definitely. Of course. And now you're like, oh, I'm just on another cover. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm, I'm always very happy to... Whenever I get a cover, I, I save it. I love looking at the magazine. It's just, it's exciting every single time. Of course it is. I was just kidding. I mean, yeah. what a thrill. So obviously you haven't been to too many shows lately. Are you mm -hmm. because of COVID? But are the shows, st they're starting up, right? So are you going to do a few? Are you going to do a full circuit? I think this year I may do a couple and it may be Denver, Dallas and Good Sam in San Jose. And I think that might be it for this year. Okay. And then hopefully by the next year you'll be you'll be back on full schedule, right? Yeah, I think so. So tell me about your adorable little pets and how you make them because they're beautiful. They're a little unique. Do you have your own method of making them? 
Yeah, I, I came up with my own method because I wasn't as into the hard sculptures, um, those little pets that are just clay or, or a little more yeah. stiff. I just wanted something that looked a little more organic. So I thought, well, I'm going to use wire and just make them out of wire and fur and a little bit of clay. But they're not felted like some of the soft ones. Yeah, I don't do needle felting. I think it's wool and a needle and you just keep puncturing it. And I like what some people do with that. But for me personally, I liked just some artificial fur and just layering it to make it look like a real animal would have it. So do you layer tiny bits of hair on like clumps at a time one at a time I'm my my <laughs> I'm kind of trying to picture this right I've had a few people ask me if I layer one at a time and that would take too long so I do clumps <laughs> yeah I'll do clumps at a time and do you like trim it yeah you have to make sure it dries so it kind of can take a while for one to be finished because you can't just apply the glue and apply the hair and, and cut it because it'll um, it'll make a mess basically so you got to let the glue dry and then you have to trim it afterward so do you do more of an assembly line yeah i try to do that i try to make a couple at once because if if one's drying i could work on another one and then sometimes even all of those are you know i can't move forward with them so i go and move and do something else. Uh, I have two areas I work in, so I just jump to my second desk. Oh, see, that's nice. I think as a hobby miniaturist, when you're not making a lot of the same thing, one of the hardest things to do is wait for the paint and our glue to dry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean, sometimes when I know I'm making something that's going to have like paint, a weight paint, I try to think of something else so that I don't, you know, mess it up or get impatient. That's happened. Yep, that's happened a lot. <laughs> I think that's a temptation for everyone. So, and then you do like a little armature underneath, like a little wire, bent wire or something. Yeah, usually every part moves except for the neck. And I afterward, you could even bend the legs or the tail a little bit, which is nice. So you could add a little bit of extra character or... If you're if if the pet's doing something, it could look more realistic if you add a little more bend to it. Somehow you also get that real personality in there, in their features. Like, how do you do the little eyes and the nose and all that? Everything is handmade. So I, when I make the head, I paint on and create the eyes into the head. I don't use anything that is a purchased glass eye. I tried that once and I, I never liked how it looked. So I decided to just make my own eyes into every piece. And that's why they're each uh, one of a kind. Each piece is handmade. That's just beautiful. How long does one little Maltese or one little kitten take? It can take me a few days. Um, like I said, the, the process is a lot of waiting and then coming back to them. So it, it, it definitely takes me a couple days to a week. Wow. So it's pretty time intensive. And then you also do food, which is another thing a lot of people often do just as a specialty. Do you have a particular food that you like to do in clay? I always wanted to do foods. And then finally, one day I said, just try it, just do it. So I just started making these little Thanksgiving turkeys, um, side dishes, bread rolls. And I thought it was so much fun. And then some of the other things I tried was sundaes, like chocolate sundaes, cocktails, little tiki drinks. And I guess I still have a lot of other food I could try and make, but I haven't needed it yet. If the project I'm working on needs a certain type of food, that's when I'll be ready to make it. 
Well, you know, I think that was my first purchase of food was, you know, so I could do a Thanksgiving and a Christmas dinner. Yep. And, you know, if you have that and you have cocktails, I mean, you're set for a little while. I know. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And you have some really cool, fancy cocktails. Yeah, I get, I try to add the little cherry and the pineapple and the garnish so they look as realistic as possible. Well, they do. They definitely do. And you also said you like doing scary witches or making dolls. I always love making miniatures for fun. Sometimes I feel like it's just making orders, but then I say, you know, I'm just inspired to make something for Halloween or a scary witch. And I I did a a witch that was inspired by the hag from Snow White, and it was just so much fun to sculpt and and to dress. And I I just want to make an entire scene based around her, but I haven't had a chance to. So hopefully this year during Halloween time, I can do that. And I feel like now I would say about a third or a fourth of the accounts I follow on Instagram are sort of Halloween slash abandoned house slash scary house. All year long. Are you seeing that trend? I have. I think it's kind of cool, actually. Some artists out there are really creative, especially with lighting and spooky stuff. So it's really fun. I like all that stuff, too. So I heard that you got a scholarship to the miniature school. Yeah, that was when I was younger, 24. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but I had applied for that um, IGMA Guild school in the state of Maine, and they had accepted me. So I went there and I learned doll making with Jamie Carrington, and it was a really fun experience. You don't really waste time when you're there. You either have some sort of time off to get a lunch or dinner and then maybe go out and see the town, which is really beautiful. But most of the time you're you're working, you're doing your classes. Well, it sounds beautiful. I'd love to go sometime. Is it right on the water? Yeah, you could see the water from it's the main maritime academy and it's maybe two blocks from the water. So you're right there. You can see it from the campus. That's fantastic. It's like mini boot camp. Yeah, it feels like it. Yeah. You can learn a lot in a week, you know, if that's all you do. I did. And I'm really happy I did because I don't, I don't even know if Jamie teaches anymore. I haven't seen him in a couple years because I usually see him in Chicago. I think it is the Chicago International Show. It sounds like they get some fantastic teachers. Definitely. So do you think you'll always keep doing this? Definitely. I think even if I said, hey, I never have to make an order again or make something for someone, I would just sit and make my own projects. And just, just for the fun of it, I enjoy building in the process. It's not frustrating. A lot of people get frustrated. I think frustration just comes with either not being able to focus on a small area or not knowing the skills or feeling that you have a good grasp on the craft. Usually when you're a beginner, it's frustrating, but as time goes on, you end up enjoying it more than when you started. If you're the type of personality that likes to discover new materials or techniques, it could be a lot of fun, but there's also a lot of frustration involved in that because if you fail, you feel terrible. I don't think there's any learning anything new without some kind of setback. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, you have to learn how to just fall asleep without being angry or upset and just work on it the next day. 
So you told me that one of the things that's been requested a lot lately, or at least in the past year, is little baby Yoda. Yeah, I sculpted one and he turned out so cute that I just got an inbox message and someone said, can you try and do that again? And I said, sure, I could definitely. So I I sculpt them and dress them and I still have some of the clay and material left, but I need to actually make a couple more because every time I make them, I try to make the smile a little different or the eyes a little wider or doing something different. I'm handmade just about everything besides the 3D printed stuff. That just helps kind of speed up things so that maybe a few more people can have a piece instead of just one-offs. You know, a lot of people are sad. They're disappointed if they see something they like and they can't buy it. They're disappointed. So Right. Well, and you said Yoda takes quite a while to make. Yeah, I do a process where I sculpt the the head and then detail it and bake it. And then I sculpt an ear, detail it, bake it. Same with the other ear and then the hands and the feet. So it's it's all a, a process. You have to do it the right way because if you mix it up, you know, just like wet paint, you could mess up the whole thing. It sounds like for something little, he has a lot of pieces. Yep. So what is it you love best about miniatures? I mean, I know there's so many things, but what do you think made you love them so much at 15? And is it the same thing that keeps you going now? It's definitely the same thing that keeps me going now. And I don't exactly know how to describe it, but it would be just zooming into a miniature or a scene and looking at it and just thinking, wow, that's something that I can find in real life, but it's so tiny. And you're just basically admiring tiny particles going, whoa. So I don't know. Do you try to play around with proportions? Like do you get your most joy from making something realistic or making something more cartoon-like or fanciful? What would you consider to be more your style? Yeah, that's a good question. I think a little bit of fantasy and I like films that are my favorite, like the Gremlins and Gizmo. And I like anything that just has nostalgia attached to it. And I can say I really like a little bit of everything because if you see the Thorn Rooms in the Chicago Art Institute, I love those too. And they're very realistic. But my style personally, I think when I make something, it's a little more fantasy-like, a little more colorful. I would agree. Definitely more whimsical. But listeners, if you haven't been to the Thorn Rooms in Chicago, at least look them up online. They're really worth looking at. Well, that's interesting. So it sounds like, you know, your love of miniatures is pretty much unchanged since you, you just found your thing and it's, it's, you're still in love with it. Totally. I, I love it. I love collecting. I'm not an artist that says that I don't collect. I definitely collect. I trade my friends. I have a lot of miniatures. So do you have dollhouses yourself? I have a craftsman dollhouse. I have a sort of castle, Victorian castle dollhouse. And I have a kind of a Malibu Barbie beach house dollhouse. Those are the big ones. So you only have three. That's actually pretty restrained for a miniaturist. That's the big ones. And then there's the medium-sized houses. Ah. I have a haunted house. I have like an English cottage. I have an old brick shop that looks like like a bar with a room upstairs. I have a couple of Rick Pierce houses, and they're also English cottages. So I have a lot of houses. It just depends what category you want to put them in. I spoke too soon. I was like, there's no way she can only have three houses. Yeah, that doesn't count the room boxes and the display cases. 
Right, right. And do you ever do them in something more unusual, like container, like a pumpkin or anything like that? Sometimes. I have one that's in a wine crate where when they ship you a wooden box with wine in it, I have, those are great. I like to use those boxes. I'm trying to think of what else, but I, I have a box that used to hold a whiskey bottle and you could open the box up. Ooh. Anything that looks like you could build a scene in it, I save it. Stuff. Yeah, so you're lucky enough. You said you have two workspaces? Yeah, I would say two or three, but I stay mostly in the main one. But if I have something else I have to work on, I go to the second work area. Because I find it takes a little bit of room, and maybe I just keep spreading out more and more. You know, I started with a little table, and then I have my dollhouses, and then I need a special area to paint. I'm sort of expanding over the, you know, over the house. I get in trouble when I do that too much. <laughs> <laughs> my kids don't live at home anymore. Well, I have one in college and one that's uh, in L.A. And he's graduated and has his own job and life and apartment. Nice. And I had to call him and say, so I'm thinking of turning your room into a dollhouse studio. That's so common. I've heard that happen so much. So what would you say to someone who's just getting into miniaturists? Do you have some advice, a tool you can't live without? I think the most important thing is just if there's any classes available at your local miniature shows, definitely take them and keep going to miniature shows to see that there's so many things you can do. It's just it's not just one thing. There's so many options and not to be frustrated that you don't know how to make everything right away. I can't even stress that enough. I've had so many miniature friends say just my stuff's not good. You know, I don't like it. And and that's just the normal common thought every beginner has. So don't give up. Keep practicing. Practice is what gets you to do better. And you sometimes don't see the progress until you stop and turn around and look at the photos of your stuff from a year ago or six months ago. And then you say, wow, okay, yeah, I am growing. I am getting better. But it takes a bit. It takes time. Of course it does. I mean, miniatures is like anything else. I mean, practice and time always improves things. But you have to be kind to yourself. Yeah. You know, that that's, I think, what I would tell people too. And and also, you know, try to pick projects that are within your scope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, transforming things, painting, you know, don't try to, you know, build the Taj Mahal, you know, with toothpicks on day one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's important because we all do want more miniatures to come into this. You know, the more that come in, the more things will be made, the more art will be shown, the more attention it'll get. Yeah. And it's just nice to be able to talk to other miniaturists because there's something about loving miniatures that only another miniaturist understands. The best feeling to meet up with your friends at the conventions and you all have the same language. It's our own language that only we understand. Exactly. Sometimes now, you know, when I see some little thing that can be something, I'm so excited about it. That's the miniaturist way of thinking. It's very exciting and other people are like, what's this junk pile? And just don't touch my junk pile. So now, you know, Whenever I see all these little plastic bits, I'm always like, well, what do you got there that you're throwing away? That could be very useful. Yes, and I have some friends who sew, and I've asked them to start collecting the little scraps for me. Because I think one of the hardest things as a miniaturist is getting enough different material. Because especially if you're just doing pillows, you need such a tiny bit of each one. Yeah, a tiny bit and a small scale fabric. So I go to Etsy to buy People print and shrink down the the designs because it's hard to find. If you just go to your regular craft store, it's a very small amount of small scale print. So you kind of want to keep that in mind too. Yes. 
And how long have you been doing this now? Professionally, maybe 15 years, something like that. That's amazing. So miniaturists, when you get down on yourself for it not being perfect, remember, Bridget has had 15 years to work on it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it does. It does take time. But it's so exciting that you've achieved so much success and that you do so many different things and so many different mediums. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Once you've, you kind of get on a roll and you start learning more you and you feel like you're getting a bit better, then you can just expand your ideas and room boxes and travel and just there's there's a lot of stuff you could do with miniatures in the miniature world. Will you take more classes? I mean, are you more of the point where you're teaching them? I feel like you could always learn something from a class, even the one you would think is just such a beginner's class. You'll always learn a new technique or something and meet new friends. I've been offered to teach or, you know, the position to teach, but it's my schedule is so full that it's a little too much, too much added to my stress level. I think after last year, we all have started watching our stress level a little more. Yeah. So I think we all understand that you have to actively take care of yourself on that, on that yep. end. And miniatures is very time consuming. Yeah. I mean, I love it, but sometimes I'll go in there and, you know, my husband will be like, are you ready for dinner? And I'm like, what? You know, four or five hours has gone yeah. by. Yeah. You can be taken away, transported into that. There's no time zone place. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Bridget. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Just keep doing what you're doing. I will. Thank you so much. Goodbye. All right. Bye. I really enjoyed talking to Bridget today, and she inspired me to look for some miniature classes to take to expand my skills. Let me know if you decide to take any classes. My next episode is Tuesday, August 10th. I talked to Beth Picard. She has been creating art her whole life and has recently turned to miniatures. We talk about how she's turned her art into several successful businesses, her fabulous Chihuly-inspired chandelier in her dollhouse, and so much more. Until then, remember, there are no rules in your dollhouse except the ones you create for yourself. Goodbye!